Welcome to the 21 Minute Podcast. 21 minutes to encourage your walk with Jesus in 2021. I'm Pastor James from Lakewood Park Ministries in Auburn, Indiana. And this podcast is all about helping you connect to Jesus from where you are to who he is. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the 21-Minute Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. Along with me, as always, Pastor James. And James, like we like to ask, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, and I'm thankful to be with you for another podcast. Thanks to everybody who is listening. You know, we're getting into season two, and our listenership is starting to grow just a little bit, (laughs) as people are aware that we're in season two. So we do want to say thank you for joining in whenever you do, whether in your car, whether you're at home, uh, trying to fall asleep at night. I don't know. But, you know, thanks for listening in. We truly want this to be a podcast that uh, connects real-life issues with spiritual, biblical truth so that you can walk with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Well, I'm excited for... Uh, this episode because I think it's really important stuff, but it is mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit of a tougher topic. It is. Um, yep. Before we dive into that, let's um, let's look at some of the lighter stuff going okay. on. Okay. Uh, we had a wedding recently, and that's exciting. Right? Yes. We want to celebrate. Yep. yep. Celebrated um, a wedding, and yep. you know it's always good to see two. Uh, while lives come together and yeah. husband and wife moving into the rest of the days they have until death do them part, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So it's always exciting, yeah, to see that. And um, and then also last Wednesday, our men's and women's ministry yes. kicked off. How'd that go? A great kickoff. Um, I know with our women's ministry study, uh, Fractured Faith is what it's called. Um, I think we have something like 167 women taking yes. part in that. And we have a really good start to our men's ministry as well, as we're really focusing in on prayer. Uh, why? Well, because men need to lead. And one of the greatest ways we lead is being dependent, dependent on Jesus and leading the way towards him. So great studies. They're, they're going. You're more than welcome to show up, by the yes. way, 630 on Wednesday nights. And it is a family night here at Lakewood Park. So mm-hmm. we do have our children's ministry. They do an awesome job. It's about discipleship. It's not about child care, and it's it's about bringing your kids towards Jesus, and they want to partner with you as mom and dad. And then, of course, our youth ministry doing a great job. And I know somebody who leads youth ministry. Don't oh, you know someone Luke, yeah. that does that? Um, isn't, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, I try to show up here and there. You <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, if you missed week one, um, don't worry about it. You're welcome to come here on week two, and uh, and you won't you won't miss too much at all. Yeah. We'll get you caught up and get you yeah. acclimated in, and um, and yeah, we'd love to have you. Uh, so Wednesday, starting at six thirty. And yep. uh, yeah, it'll be a great time. So okay, let's let's go ahead and get maybe a quick recap on yesterday's message. We're in our First Corinthians series. The theme is Jesus alone, and uh, maybe you could hit us with the just the big picture idea and some of the key points from your message to bring it back to the forefront of our minds, and then uh, maybe we'll start grappling with some of the more um, uh, just some relevant questions that come from this passage mm-hmm. that you weren't able to talk about in your message. Yeah. So chapter 5 is a difficult chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's it's dealing with sexual morality. Um, 
sexual morality, that word is porneia, is where we get the word pornography from, but it's dealing with any immorality. And Paul wanted to call this out really, really directly. Uh, he, he doesn't really hold a lot back. He said, it is actually reported in verse 1 that there's sexual immorality among you. And the specific he does go into, and that was a man who, for, for whatever the context, we don't really know a lot about it, but apparently had is, was living with his stepmom and uh, and in Roman law even at that time did not mm-hmm. allow that if you know I know we think of how licentious Roman law was but it didn't even allow for that and so he is really really broken over this happening mm-hmm. but maybe even more so than that is that it says in verse two and you are arrogant um, so he's really really broken that the church wasn't calling this out, that the church was not dealing with this. And so he essentially says, you must deal with it. And I I guess I also want to say, as we talk today, that there is really breakthroughs of grace in all of this. Mm -hmm. Chapter 5, there's breakthroughs of the joy of embracing the new life. In fact, old to new, uh, uh, taking that old and and saying, I don't want it, casting it away, and then embracing the new nature in Christ, uh, because we are new in Christ, and we can live victoriously. And there's glimpses of that all through a really difficult chapter. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good word. Uh, sin is not dealt with through moralism, but through the grace of yes. Jesus Christ. Amen. That saves us and transforms us. That's 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 great stuff. Um, so so this is you know a situation that was happening in the first century uh, city of Corinth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I suppose it probably doesn't have too much relevance for us today, right? This kind of thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe the, could, the human heart is, is going to be the same, no yeah. matter the context, no matter the time. Yeah, we've, we've got a knack uh, for devising evil, don't Jeremiah we? Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitfully wicked, who could know it, right? Yeah, yeah. So in, in light of that, that maybe this topic is still for us today. Maybe yeah. you could touch on just the sexualization of our current culture and the impact that that's having on the church. Sure. I mean, I think we've lost a healthy perspective I know we've lost a healthy perspective on what the Lord created sexuality to be. And it's a beautiful expression between husband and wife in marriage. It's meant to be there. It's a beautiful thing. It's not just meant for procreation and, and you know, the cultural mandate you know, mm-hmm. of, of expanding and, 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 and seeing the world be filled. Um, it's truly about what he would also want us to say is this husband and wife to enjoy knowing each other. And so it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But man, like everything that sin does, it perverts and mars and destroys. Mm-hmm. It deceives where you think you're finding satisfaction, and those sad, that satisfaction quickly evaporates into consequences. And I think that's what we find in the church today. There's a lot of consequences over sexual immorality. It is not meant to be twisted and marred and taken and used and abused, but we're seeing that. And so yeah. without doubt, we don't have to think too hard on, yeah. on how that's unfortunately plaguing the church today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The, the prevalence and the pervasiveness of of pornography and our just our, our highly tech technological yes. age is um, is something that I think everybody is aware of. Um, I think I think it's easy to want to maybe turn our eyes from how deep a grip it has in in a lot of people's lives and and not just that. That's yes. just an expression of of what you you said that our human heart and our human sin condition and mm-hmm. uh, and and. Uh, goodness, this this chapter speaks in into that for sure. Yeah. Um, so, 
Paul says here, in light of this situation and what's going on, uh, well, it shouldn't be tolerated by the church. And he mm-hmm. says, let him, this this man committing the sin, be removed from among you. Yes. Um, that sounds harsh to me, James. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you could uh, help us understand what are the steps of the church in, in church discipline and, and how have you seen it done well in your years as in pastoral ministry and, yeah. and how have you seen it maybe done in a damaging way? Yeah, you know, this this whole thought here, and Paul gets into some actual, some ecclesiology of how the church is to function. So ecclesiology is talking about the church. And mm-hmm. so how is the church to function? This is a God-given grace, I believe, in this area of discipline. It is with the goal of restoration. And I think one of, one of the biggest problems we have when we think of church discipline is that we view it through the lens of punishment. Yeah. Now, I want to say that there could be consequences, right? And that Mm -hmm. consequence could be punishment. But what that is always designed to do is to drive the sinner back to grace, is to drive the sinner back to reconciliation. And so the whole process of church discipline is that, that we want to see a broken sinner restored in their walk with Jesus Christ. So if you keep that, in the center of your framework and the motivation of why church discipline really is a beautiful thing that God has given to his church yeah. to help each other to grow in Jesus. It's, it's about discipleship at the end of the day, really. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of Hebrews chapter 12 that mm-hmm. talks about uh, discipline comes when you're treated as sons. Yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I discipline my boys. Yes. Because they need that correction to yeah. live a healthy life yeah. out of love for them. I want to see them not continue on in patterns of life that will bring hurt and pain and agony into them. I want to bring structure and, 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 and I want to bring correction in such a way that helps them to enjoy and thrive in life. And yeah. it's the same thing that the same intention for church discipline. We, again, we, yeah, we don't, we don't want to just uh, ignore people or be unkind for the sake of being unkind or punish in, in some kind of we're better than sure. you posture. We want to see them thrive in the life of Christ. And, and so church discipline yes. seeks to, to do that. And how unloving would it be Yeah, to leave somebody in a state of wandering away in sin. Yeah. So it is truly about love. Yeah. And so when I when I think of Matthew 18 as an mm-hmm. example, you know, because he says, put be, be removed among you. Now, can I make a couple comments here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In chapter 5, this man is not seeking to be repentant. Mm-hmm. That, for all indications, the, the original wording, the language that you can go back to and, and really look at, this man was arrogantly, boldly sinning. Yeah. He did not have a desire to repent. And I think that's a key thing when we talk about church discipline. Mm-hmm. Our goal is repentance. Our goal is reconciliation. And we know that progression in Matthew 18, that if somebody has sinned against you, you go to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would say if somebody is in sin in general mm-hmm. and you recognize that, I mean, that's an offense against the whole church, you go to them. If they do not listen, you bring one or two witnesses and they are to be neutral. And I want to say this isn't meant to be the posse, right? I mean, this <laughs> yeah. isn't meant to say yeah. you've wronged me and now I've got my, my heavies yeah. behind me that are going to make you feel it. These are probably, if I could put it in the context of Matthew 18, spiritual leaders in the church. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about elders. We're talking about pastors to go <clears throat> and to listen almost in a mediatorial way to understand what's going on. 
and, and to say, to plead to the man or the woman, whoever it is, or group, you know, please repent um, and, and move beyond the sin and move away from it, move towards Christ. And then, of course, in Matthew 18, you know, the last step of the three is to take them to the church body. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is probably one a lot of people struggle with. Like, yeah. what does yeah. that mean? Well, it says clearly, and Jesus said this in Matthew 18, that if they do not repent, treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, sometimes that might evoke in your thinking like excommunication and, you know, mm-hmm. when you see them, you shun them and turn, you know, in the grocery store like, no, there they are. And you, you quickly go the other direction. That's not at all what's being talked about. How would you treat a Gentile or a tax collector? You would love them because they need to know the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately in this, while we can't see a heart, we have to wonder if they're not willing to repent, keep bringing them back towards Christ. Yeah. And so you want them, you love them, you care for them. Now, that might mean consequences, like they can't be a member of the church anymore for that time because they're blatantly sinning. They don't want to repent. Mm-hmm. But it's always with the hope of when you see them, hey I, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. I just want you to come back to Christ. So that really is, is what happens in the progression. But can I add this one thing in? Mm-hmm. If at any point of steps one through three, if we could say that, they repent, the process stops, mm-hmm. and we are working on restoration. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And I have been in situations of church discipline where even at the elder level, where it's kind of reached that level of how are we going to do this, the individual repents. Mm-hmm. The whole process of bringing them further in those consequences stops. Mm-hmm. There is that embrace. There is that how do we restore and reconcile the person. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's that's great. It's such a hopeful thing, you know. Hope that, like, is at a any great point, way like, of saying we always yeah. have grace. The grace is always on the table, yeah. isn't it? And, yeah. and and receive that grace, and and things change. And now it's about seeing you grow and thrive again. And yeah. and what I love about Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians five, um, it's it's all in the context of community, the beauty of the body in Christ. Yeah. You know, um, and I think. Too often, uh, folks try to get after their sin problems on their own, and mm. the church is to be the place where where you can receive that grace and have the support structure necessary to to be sanctified through yeah. um, the the things that you're struggling with, and to see and to, as you as you said to see success because the yeah. spirit of God is at work within us. It's but all the, about the spirit yeah. of God's working. <laughs> yeah, amen. You know, I, I would also add into that, Luke, that you know, I, I think in the experiences of church. Discipline, dealing with somebody who is in sin, who has offended, who, uh, and they're not willing to repent. I think one of the things that, that sadly, mm-hmm. I have seen more the, so than not is that they just run. Yeah, they run from the church. Yeah, you know, and and quite frankly, you know, we're not a police force to go out and try to nab them and you know bring them back, right. but we we humbly are broken over that, yeah. and I see that a lot. And when they need their church the most, mm-hmm. they're running away from the church. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's really sad to see. Yeah, and and you know he's he's talking about leaven and what it does to the you know the whole lump. Yeah, uh, when leaven is in there, there's there's something there's a negative impact you know within within the body when when this sin is not dealt with and when they just run to another lump 
then there's no growth and there's just moving that problem to another body and it think the things never get taken care of and, and, and out of love for all of the rest of the lump, so to speak, to keep the metaphor going. Sure, the body, we right, see, yeah. You want to see this person restored, but then we also want to see um, the health of the whole the whole gathering uh, yeah. regarded as well. Yeah. Uh, well, let me um, pivot now to another difficult statement from, mm-hmm. from Paul. He says, this, this man, uh, let's hand him over to Satan. <laughs> Help me out with that one. <laughs> yeah. Why would yeah, Paul want that? Yeah. So, so very, very specifically in this, he says in verse five, "You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord." So, uh, there's actually a beautiful breakthrough of hope in this this verse. But I think it's really the culmination of those three steps we just talked about that. Maybe there there is a consequence that hey we, you can't be in membership at this church right now because of mm-hmm. where you are, and I think in Paul's terminology is to essentially say then let him go his way yeah and don't condone it you know don't celebrate it of course be looking at him like come back to Jesus be praying for him but there's a sense of let him go his way so when he says hand him over to Satan it that's what it means and and I think we can say the same thing today that if someone continues in sin. Listen, we cannot enjoy that fellowship as if nothing's wrong here, because there is something wrong. Mm-hmm. You're not willing to repent, and your your heart is hard. Mm-hmm. Let him go his way, or her go their way. And once that happens, what Paul, and Paul actually talks about this in 1 Timothy too, uh, with Alexander and Hymenaeus, he, mm-hmm. he handed them over to Satan. So this isn't the only time he stated this in yeah. his letters. And the idea was, let them go their way. Let them endure the consequences of their sin. Mm-hmm. It is in the consequences that there's a hope that they're going to return to the grace of Jesus Christ. They're going to return to the pathway of sanctification. They're going to make things right with brothers and sisters mm-hmm. because they realize how heavy, how bad, how destructive, and they don't want it. They repent. Mm-hmm. So really that's the goal of handing them over to Satan. But I also would add in here that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Yeah. That's the breakthrough of hope. If this man, which we don't know, but we're assuming had made that profession of faith, mm-hmm. that in Jesus you are always secure. His forgiveness and grace has forgiven all sin, past, present, future. Yeah. Even since we haven't committed, they are forgiven at the cross of Calvary. Amen. So we're secure in Jesus. This man from this verse here is secure in Christ. And mm-hmm. so Paul's hope is... The consequences are just going to drive him back to Christ, yeah. almost like the prodigal son. Yeah. I'm tired of the pig pen. I'm tired of the slop. I want to come home to my father. Yeah, and goodness, that's that's it. That's the the allure of sin. Um, that there is something better there, and we know that sin always destroys. Yeah. It always, yeah, it never it never delivers. It cannot give you what what only Christ can give you. And um, yeah, uh, to and and just as you follow that that pattern. Um, you will you will find the emptiness, and 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 hopefully turn yeah. your eyes to the only source of life and joy. And and so it, you know it comes to us as what's the loving thing? You know it sounds so harsh and so mean. Um, you know upon a, just a first read, but when we think about it, um, would I not rather allow this brother to experience temporary destruction for the sake of eternal life? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, let him meet his end now, yep. this side of the grave, <laughs> so that he turns his eyes to Christ and uh, experiences fullness of life for eternity. Um, when you have an eternal perspective, I think this this passage makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, and you have a loving perspective. Yeah. 
you truly are loving this person by again allowing some of these consequences, but not giving up on them, praying for them, mm-hmm. you know, encouraging them every chance you get. Maybe it's a family member, you know, that they're so close in our homes or extended family. Yeah. We're not to give up on them. We're not to just, you know, throw them out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's that sense, all right, let them go their way. Mm-hmm. But be ready to catch them when they fall yeah. and be ready to be there when they come back. Yeah. In, in, in light of that, in maybe our last minute here, yeah. how does that... Are we almost done already, Luke? I know. It goes so Luke, quick, doesn't what it? happened here? Maybe we need to change to like the, I don't know, the, well, the 42 minutes. Well, yeah, 22 minutes now. We're actually, he called 21. But anyway, go ahead. All right. Last minute here. How does that perspective of wanting to love, how does that also fit with what Paul says with the person who's who's engaging with this stuff? Do not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Um, does does that mean I can't be friends anymore with this person? Mm. Um, you know, looking at verse eleven there. Yeah, I, I would say that it, it certainly means the dynamic of your relationship has got to change. Yeah. Um, but as we said, love is the pervasive fuel of our interaction with an individual in a situation like this. I think to be friendly. Uh, to not shun them, you know, like I said, you know, facetiously a little bit like being in the grocery store, like, oh, there they are, I got to run away. No, I, you talk with them. Yeah. You interact with them. You, uh, Ephesians 4, 6, you know, that your conversation be seasoned with salt. So you should have conversation with them. I'm not saying we should not have it, but that conversation and the changing nature of the relationship should be, how you doing? Yeah. Um, I, I'm praying for you. Is there anything you can pray about? Is the Lord working in your heart in any kind of way right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that might be a, some harder questions to ask, but I believe that we should be friendly, mm-hmm. and that should be the tone of our engagement. Yeah, great. All right, with a quick buzzer beater here, let's lighten it just for a moment. We're talking about Levin. What's your favorite baked good? Fair donuts, and I just had a bunch of them oh, last boy. week. Those are going to be hard ago. to get for Pastor Appreciation Month. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but, uh, no, they're good. great here in DeKalb County, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, great conversation. And uh, everyone listening, we look forward to continuing uh, our 21 minutes next week. God bless.